What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Who Place, where we talk about basketball and wrestling, unscripted and uncensored. My name is Jarrell Thomas. My name is Jonathan Brown. And I'm Damon Creighton. And before we start, I just, I just, I just got to thank all of y'all that have been tapping in for real. Like, um, at we're we're at about maybe 464 total plays, downloads, whatever you want to call it, right now. So, by the time this episode drops. We'll most likely have 500 plays, which is halfway to 1K. And I know, Cap, I know you thought nobody was going to listen to this podcast when I th- said we was talking about wrestling. So I appreciate y'all a lot. Um, Once we get to 1K, like maybe we do something special. I don't know. Maybe we have our first guest or something. I don't know. We still got to figure that out. But let's get into this first topic. And this is this is this is going to be um interesting uh first nba topic we're talking about the empty stats argument and first i'm gonna ask john do you think that empty stats exist and oh wait but before we go into it, empty stats what i mean by empty stats is that um people say that like certain players like maybe trey young or devin booker they're putting up great numbers and everything they're going off but their teams are losing so it's called empty stats because they're they're playing great, but they're not winning basketball games, or the team just isn't successful. So, John, do you think that empty stats exist? Empty stats, it exists, but it really shouldn't matter. If a player is good, he's good. It doesn't matter. If, I mean, yeah, I mean the team loses a lot, but. That really shouldn't matter. If he plays good, he deserves his recognition. He deserves his uh, applause and credit. I mean, oh my God. Wow. Just listening to that definition of empty, empty stats is just, <laughs> that, that had me confused. That had me really bamboozled, let astray, run amok, flat out deceived. Yeah, because like I remember we, because we were talking about it in our basketball group chat a couple of days ago. And my, my thing about it is like I don't believe that empty stats really exist in that term. I don't I don't know what term I could possibly call it, but like John just said, and I, I think I said on a couple of episodes beforehand, like everybody got to play the same 29 other teams. So if you balling out against the okay, maybe the team loses. Okay, well, oh well, like you're not gonna say Luka Doncic ain't that good. Because they lost in this, it was the first round, right? Yeah, that was the first mm-hmm. round. We we all know that was Porzingis and Rick Carlisle's fault. Y'all not gonna blame Luca when Trey Young and Devin Booker first came into the league and they were balling out. Like Devin Booker had a thirty point, I mean seventy point game, and they did lose. But people were like, oh well, they the Suns were never good, so that means Devin Booker isn't that good. Like you can't expect. A young guy, even if, even if they're not young, you can expect the guy to carry a whole team by himself. Like, now there's only one LeBron James in the world, and nobody else is LeBron but LeBron. Like, and LeBron can't even do that anymore. <laughs> exactly, for, uh, not anymore. Really being honest. Like, people were saying like, "Oh well, Westbrook, his his triple doubles are empty stats because OKC or the Wizards or Houston." They couldn't win. They couldn't win when it mattered. 
I've I, people talking about Jeremy Grant. So I hate much. that. I hate that tape. People saying Jeremy Grant. Oh well, he was with the Pistons, so what is? Of course, he was gonna go off. He has to play all of these other fucking teams to ball out. So okay, yeah, again, the Pistons were tanking, but I'm not going into that rant today. But <laughs> if the Pistons are tanking and Jeremy Grant is still putting up at least 24, 25 a game on the best players, best defenders in the league, because as a small forward, he's getting defended by some of the best defenders in the league. If he can put up numbers like that, they're not empty stats. He's a bucket. But, Damon, what do you think about that argument? Um, I agree, because, like, if you put up the stats, you put up the stats. Like, a team won't take it easy on you because mm-hmm. you suck. So, like, for Jeremy Grant's like, just because the Pistons may only win, let's say they had only won five games at the at the time, they ain't gonna be like, oh, well, might as well let Jeremy Grant put let him put up like twenty and five, and then we'll just stop. Like that just doesn't that's exactly. that's not how that works. And I think my my least favorite one is the Russell Westbrook one. Like even though he's like one of my favorite players, but it's like everybody's like, oh, well, he always gets the triple double. It doesn't really mean anything because. He's inefficient, or they don't, they never win, and he never does anything. So he's selfish. He just starts. This is like, bro, who, who else is like breaking history with like the most triple doubles and still being a very successful player? I just, I don't know. I just really, I don't, I don't like it. And obviously, when you start getting into discussions, like who are some of like the best players, like, all time and all that, like you, you start putting in more factors outside of stats. But like to say that someone is good or bad just because their stats are good and their team sucks, it's like, un, it, it's it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then like I, I want to clarify, like we're not saying that oh only stats matter because of course you know there are other factors into it. But a lot of the guys that we were talking about. It wasn't that they couldn't carry the team, even though they should. They shouldn't be held responsible for trying to. But when you have bad teammates like Trey Young, well, Trey Young actually, the Hawks, they're just they were just inconsistent, and there was a, a lot of them. There was their first playoff experience, so I can't get mad at them. Phoenix back in the day, injuries on exactly. the top of the season. Exactly, Phoenix back in the day. I mean, man. Earl Watson was the coach at one point. They had Eric Bledsoe on the roster. Like, I – and then Luca. I already said, like, Przingis is garbage, you know. you. But, again, like, honestly, though, I just thought about this, and this really going to ruffle some feathers. I've heard this argument about Jeremy Grant, about Trey Young, about Devin Booker. I have never heard that argument about Luka Doncic. Never. I've, I've never heard that argument about Luca. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, are we cooning? Are, is, is this what we're doing? Because I ain't, I ain't never heard that about Luca, ever. Not once. But we, I was going to say, that's what I was saying when we were, when we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago in the, in like the actual like who plugs group chat when we was talking about in that playoff series, I was like, how can you expect Dallas to win when Luca's throwing up 38 shots and Porterzingis only got seven because he's taking all the shots. So it's like, it's, I wouldn't call that an empty stats, but it's like, 
you have to take into account like how can somebody else be successful yeah. while he is put yes he's putting up triple doubles yes he's like scoring like 30 12 and 9 then 13 and just about every night but it's like look what it's doing mm. to the people around him i have to offer a rebuttal though like i i get you know lucas taking a bunch of shots Porzingis ain't taking that many but you have to think about why Porzingis isn't getting touches. If he's taking seven to ten shots a game and he's only making two, you're not going to trust him with the ball in a sense, let, it, let alone the motherfucker is seven foot three. He should not be trying to play like Duncan Robinson always at the three. Get your big ass in the paint. Like, okay, if you, smoke a, if you smoke a layup, you smoke a layup. But you too damn tall to just be standing on the perimeter waiting for the ball. Like, you too big for that. I agree. And um but I will say I will say that he only had one game where he shot under 45% in the in that playoff series. So it's like I can't speak to the whole season, but if we're just speaking on that series specifically something to think about, but hey, I digress. <laughs> I mean, the argument's there. You know, I disagree with that argument because, you know, I what I saw from Porzingis is, is not what I expect to see from somebody that's seven foot three. So that Yeah, for sure. I, I guess you could kind of say it's biased, but I mean they should have won that series anyway. But almost definitely. <laughs> yeah. But moving on to our next basketball topic, and this is gonna be a fun one. We are all going to give you our pick for the best signature move in the NBA and by which player. You know, a lot of players have done, like, the same move. But which player had the best move and who was the best one to do it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go first. And this is this is tough, man. I'll, part of me wants to say Kareem Skyhook. Another part of me wants to say Steph Step Back. But... For me, I uh, honestly, I would have to go with Manu Ginobili's zero step. Like that was clean. You know, hard like Harden. You know, he has a nice zero. There's a lot of guys. You know, they pull out a zero from time to time. But Manu Ginobili's was so clean. Like I'm pretty sure he wasn't the originator of the move, but he he went when he did that euro step. He was getting that bucket. Like it didn't matter who was guarding him. If he went for that Euro step, you you got shifted. And I think I for honorable mention. Ooh, I gotta go with Shake and Bake. Jamal Crawford Shake and Bake. Cause he made like he did it on accident the first time. And then it became a signature move. Like those those two moves, it don't if you I don't care if you're Kawhi Leonard or not. If you if you get in front of that move, it's bad. <laughs> but Damon, um, who had the best signature move in the NBA? For me, when we when I saw this topic, I this was the very first one we t- I thought about. We were on the topic of the Mavericks. We gotta talk about Dirk's mm-hmm. fadeaway. Man, you know, the fadeaway done by so many, but there is none like that man turning and doing that little knee jerk and just 
it was money every time. Um, I mean, they even, I think that's part of the court now, just the, the, it's on the court of just him doing that fadeaway. And because it was such a unique way of doing it. And really, I don't think anybody's ever done something like that yeah. in, in that regard. So I think that's definitely one of the most signature ones. Most definitely. I mean, he, he literally made the franchise with that move. So I, I definitely yeah. agree. But do you, did you have an honorable mention you wanted to talk about? Honorable mention. Um, this is kind of like, uh, once again, kind of a bias because I really like Russ. But him coming off um, the screen and the little, uh, the little, um, oh, God, I'm trying to think. It's not really anything that it's called, but this is like that mid-range jumper, that bank mid-range jumper off screens. It's not really like a move, move, but it's just something that he does. But it's not really an honorable mention, but it's just something that I like. <laughs> All right. What about you, John? Um, who did the best signature move in the league? And what's your honorable mention? Mine's is whenever Kobe is in like the triple threat position or he's doing post work, dude was unstoppable. He had the footwork to just beat everyone. His, like, he didn't have the athleticism, but he used his footwork to beat everyone and to make them look like a fool. And he just dominated by using his footwork. So whenever I, I think of signature moves, I think of Kobe and his footwork in the post and whenever he's in triple threat, because it's, it's just unstoppable just can't stop it uh an honorable mention i have to go with like a today's signature move i have to go with uh jason tatum sidestep jason tatum oh, sidestep yeah, yeah. i mean he when he does it it's deadly and it creates so much space for him to shoot and he makes it it's it's so deadly i'm like yo jason tatum is that guy yeah, most definitely Oh yeah, that just reminds me, bro. Can we can we talk about how the dream shake was one of the greatest moves ever invented, as well, bro? Like, Akeem Olajuwon, man. Like, it seemed like because it seems so simple to do the dream shake, but it's hard. Not everybody can do it like like Hakeem could. And then just I'm trying to think of some other moves that like um. Kareem Skyhook. Yeah, most definitely. That, that's, um see, because, you know, it's not my favorite, but that's on the God tier level of signature movie. That's what I'm like. I was like, going to say. It, you it's like not it my personal that. favorite, but mm-hmm. it's on that. that is definitely the God tier. Because for Kareem to be the leading scorer in NBA history with the majority of his shots being off that hook, like – Nobody could stop that. Like, it, it just, it's so insane because how could something so simple, yeah, it was the 1980s, so the moves were a little bit simpler, but something from the 1980s that still holds so much weight today. Like, how many players can we name that actually not only attempt to do a skyhook, but actually do a successful skyhook? It's not that many. I, I can't even think of anybody who. Robin Lopez. I I guess 
I mean, I guess. But it's a lot of good signature moves in the league. This was hard to – it was really hard to pick because there's so, there's so many guys who do one move perfectly. There's some who can do the move, but they're not so great at it. Even, like, the, they're originators of the move, but then there are those guys who just take the move out the park, like Steph step back. I'm not sure who invented the step back, but Steph Curry just Lord Jesus. Cause I matter of fact, because I was watching a YouTube video the other day, like when stars become superstars, and just like when you, they got to talking about Steph and it him doing these step backs in like 2013. As a young guy, it was ridiculous. It it was unlike anything anybody had ever seen up until now, to the point where now everybody's doing it. So I think that um the Euro step is my favorite move. I think the skyhook is the god tier move, but I think Steph's step back was been the most influential move. Cause now everybody's doing it. But, with that being said, that's going to bring us to the end of the NBA session of the podcast. And now let's move into worst takes. And boy, I'm not even going to lie. I didn't get any worst takes this week, but I just went and I scrolled through the internet to find some. And um, oh boy, the first one, um, Put Rudy Gobert on those 60 Celtics teams, and he wins the same amount of rings as Bill Russell. Mm. I mean, he would have to guard against Wilt Chamberlain. I don't think he could guard Wilt Chamberlain. I don't think he could either. No, no. Um, more rings than he have right now. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. So I'm, I'm just confused because, like, if – if they're saying replace Rudy Gobert with Bill Russell, then Will Chamberlain's gonna have more rings. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, most most definitely. If they're saying put Rudy on the team with Bill Russell, then maybe. Maybe. But you can't replace Bill Russell and expect to win just as many championships. You you literally can't. Um, let's see another one. Let's 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 just um somebody said the Lakers are more fraudulent than the Heat. Um I I have to disagree with this one. Um see I don't like the Lakers, especially not the roster they came back with this year to try to run it back for the title, but and I don't necessarily want to call the Heat frauds or, you know, a lot of people are calling them bubble guppies. I don't want to call them that. <laughs> but when uh, you look at their roster, I mean, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler should have a ring by now. Honestly, like Jimmy Butler, I wouldn't say like he, oh, well, he's that player that can carry you to a championship, but he's one of those players that he needs to have a title by now. And, you know, he had great performances in the finals last year. You know, bam, he played great. Um, Tyler Hero proved this season just how overrated he is. You know, um, I like Duncan Robinson, but, like, that group of guys, 
I mean, anything could happen in the NBA, but I just don't think that the Miami Heat were good enough either way to make the finals. Like, they had an incredible run last year, but I, I just don't – I don't see it, man. Like, people were saying, they were going to run it back. Nah, not even close. The East is starting to get too good for that. Yeah, like – the the West is still great, but the East is is making its comeback. It's definitely making its comeback. Um, did y'all have any takes? I didn't. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I found one on Reddit, bro. And this actually, this is three takes. Um, and I'm just gonna say for the record that I disagree with all three of these before I even say them. And I'm actually kind of pissed off about these now. Matt Hardy is better than Jeff Hardy. The Fiend is overrated. I like Roman's push in 2015. Oh, it's two more. WWE listens to the fans more than people think. Elias should become <laughs> champ when crowds return. <sighs> what drug is it this week? What 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 drug is it this week? Is is it is it meth? Is it angel dust? Is it crack cocaine? First of all, let's let's you know let's go down the list because I'm now I'm pissed off, bro. One by one, one by one. Matt Hardy's better than Jeff Hardy. No. Who the hell there's, do you think you are? <laughs> there's not one thing that he does better than Jeff Hardy. No. Um no, okay. The only time Matt Hardy was ever more over than Jeff, and no disrespect to Matt Hardy, because mm-hmm. I love Matt Hardy. Well, actually, two instances. When Ed stole his girl and broke the Matt Hardy. Oh, only, only two, only two, yeah. only two instances where Matt Hardy was ever better, better than Jeff Hardy. And when Edge and Lita thing happened, it only really got any. Jeff didn't really get anything because he was in TNA at the time. You know, and this was early TNA. So of course that okay. No. The fiend is overrated. Okay, to an extent, I agree, you know, it just kind of, he got ruined to hell in the cell 2019, like, that, that that was the breaking point, you know, it was a great character, first of all, they shouldn't even put him in a title match to begin with, like, The Fiend is one of those wrestling characters where he don't need a title whatsoever, and then for them to put him in there, like, so we like, oh, oh okay, you know, they're gonna put him, they're gonna get, they're gonna put the strap on him, and they did a fucking disqualification hell and cell match. I'm I'm not over I'm I'm still not over that. Um and he got squashed by Goldberg too, so that was fun. Oh yeah, and then um this previous WrestleMania. Um you know, I know like I heard I heard the stories, you know, because he wasn't in the best of mental health because the passing of Brody Lee, which I understand. But WWE could have done so much better with that match. Like, I get, you know, he was dealing with some things. Personally, I think he shouldn't have wrestled if he was dealing with that, you know, because I, I couldn't even imagine trying to put on a performance when I'm feeling that way. But for them to have him not only get squashed by Randy Orton, but then fucking Alexa Bliss and his black goo bullshit, then she takes his whole character he, nah, I, I wouldn't even say he's overrated. I'd say he deserves better. 
I liked Roman's push in 2015. Oh, I wish Jalen was on this one. I wish he <laughs> I wish he was here. I wish he was here. Oh my God. Um That's I'm, like WrestleMania you know, 31, right? Yeah. Um I'm gonna let y'all oh. talk on this because I, I I'm I'm keeping my thoughts to myself, bro. Ooh, that's so bad. That is so bad. <laughs> that is so bad. Roman Reigns 2015 was most was the peak of anybody but him. That I think that is the single that year was the year that he was easily one of the single most hated people and not only WWE but in the United States. <laughs> everybody hated Roman Reigns. I mean, he oh got my. every push I just remember when he threw out Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble and the stadium erupted. And then they tried to save it by The Rock coming out and they still booed him. (laughs) Then he beat Daniel Bryan at Fastlane and they hated him even more. And then he almost beat Brock, but then Seth saved all of it was crazy is WrestleMania 31 was so good, but I think Seth Rollins is really the only reason that. Let me know because that, the, okay, it, correct me if I, or not even correct me if you agree or not. The main event was not that bad See, before Seth is, came and kicked it. The thing about it is, I don't remember anything before the cash in. Which should kind of that that says something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also the same card that had Triple H versus Sting, I believe. So um, yes, it was. Uh oh boy. Oof. Wait, did you not like that man? No, Sting should bro. My opinion, bro. Like, first oh yeah, of all, absolutely. First of all, first of all, I didn't like you know the NWND. Like, I liked it, but it was like they did it way too late, man. Like. You know, I guess Sting was in TNA. He should have went to TNA. Like, I would have been pissed if he went to WWE after WCW. He had a great run in TNA, and then they finally bring him in the WWE, and it's just two old men in their old men groups just doing old men stuff, and I'm just like, Sting just deserves so much better. Like, bro, after seeing what he did, like, the match with Seth Rollins he had, like, before he, up until he got hurt, it was a good match. The matches he's had at AEW so far have been pretty good. He should have won, but oh boy, I'm not like I said. I'm not even gonna talk about Roman. So I'm just gonna move on to the next part of this take. WWE listens to the fans more than people think. I just have one question and one question only. To determination sands on Reddit. I know this was 131 days ago, but actually. This was around the same time period. Have you watched Monday Night Raw? Have you heard of Monday Night Raw? Um, are you are are you sure about that? Um, no, no, they do not. They absolutely do not. They have not listened, and I don't know how long. Like, you know, I, like I, because matter of fact, like we were talking about it just before we started recording. Last night's SmackDown was the first time any of us truly enjoyed a WWE product from start to finish in months. Okay. 
Monday Night Raw. As many rants as we've done on this podcast about that damn show. Shows that they don't listen. Okay. Y'all, we told y'all to release Jackson Riker. Captain Mac. I'm sorry, Gunner. I'm sorry. We told you to release Gunner. Gunner, not only is still on the roster, but he's getting a push as a face. Nobody likes Gunner, okay? Nobody. Even even his fellow racists do not like Gunner, but y'all still push the names. We told you we never want to see Eva Marie back in a wrestling ring ever again. And what did you do? What exactly did you do? We told you we want no more words back. And y'all continuously bury Jeff Hardy. We told you the Hurt Business is the greatest thing in the pandemic besides Bailey and Sasha. You broke them up. Hell, we told you we like Bailey and Sasha and to save the breakup for when we get crowds back. Y'all couldn't even wait. Y'all couldn't even wait a full calendar year. And you want to tell me that this company listens? No, definitely not. Mm. This last one. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to skip it. Elias should not be champion. I'm just going to skip that entirely. The last wrestling take. (sighs) Dean Ambrose is better than John Moxley. I feel like I, I I feel like somebody so I feel like God was telling me to click on this to trigger me. I, I just feel like it. Um okay. First of all, Dean Ambrose is already a stupid name. Like Dean you I'm not gonna take you seriously if I'm finding you, you tell me your name, Dean. Like what type of shit? No. Dean Ambrose. <laughs> First of all, okay, besides the name, I liked when he was Dean Ambrose, you know. The nickname was stupid. I don't even know what the fuck a lunatic fringe is. Like, if, if somebody could please explain to me what that means, I, I'd greatly appreciate it. But after all these years, I still don't know. Um, He got mishandled a lot. Um, That match against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania should have been a lot better. Um, he deserved more championship runs. Um, that heel turn was absolutely atrocious. You know, I just... <sighs> How can you watch AEW? Look at what John Moxley did, what he's doing is John Moxley, and say that Dean Ambrose was anywhere close to being better. He's a better, way better talker. He's actually having creative freedom to have the matches he wants to have. He also didn't look like an idiot because his hair back in WWE, it just looked awful until he cut it. It, it. it did. You know, first he had the slick back hair, and then you tried to convince us he was crazy. And then it just became a mess. And I'm just like, j- just cut it. But y'all, y'all can y'all can handle the rest of this, bro, because I'm really about to get triggered. I mean, Dean Ambrose could have been way better in WWE. If John Moxley could come to AEW with a different look, 
and I already have a better character than Dean Ambrose, something was wrong with WWE. And someone needs to call that out. Someone in the creative team needs to be held accountable for it and suffer the consequences of it. Either being demoted or released. But something needs to happen in when the creative team in WWE because this ain't it. Damon, do you have any comments on that? Nah, bro. Kind of like what John said. Like, I feel like the creative team really needs to reevaluate. I know we probably say that y'all hear us say this a lot, but I think they really need to reevaluate themselves. And as much as they're like, oh, you know, we're the top dog, so we don't really need to care about like other promotions and stuff like that. But the most recent example, Malachi Black, formerly known as Alistair Black, created a enhanced, better character for himself in one appearance and with one four-minute instant IGTV promo than anything that they'd ever created for him on the main roster. And that should say something. That's something that y'all gotta be like, oh, dang. How can we not work with them? Or how could we not figure something out like that? Like, (laughs) I feel like he, like, Alistair Black or Malachi Black, or whatever you want to call Tommy and whatever you want to call him, should have been one of the few guys in the company who had creative control. Yep. Like, I like when I saw the IGTV video, and I'm sitting there just looking, and I'm just like, this guy is talented everywhere, and it it didn't like it blew it it just completely blew me because I'm like they really fumbled the bag, and the exact same night. When I wasn't even thinking about it, I thought he had a 90-day thing, but, oh, yeah, WWE fucked that up. Fucking idiots. That's what you get. He shows up, <laughs> kicks off R. Anderson head, kick off Cody head, then leave, and I'm like, so you mean to tell me you just did the same thing to Big E, and y'all released him? A few, 30 days later, he does the same thing to R. Anderson and Cody, and now we're actually going to see it play. Like, dude, the thing that blew me the most was that when they panned in on his face, when they zoomed in on his face, he still had the eye entry from Buddy Murphy. Yes. <laughs> like, bro, this man carried another storyline to a whole nother company. And they released this man. Like, I, I ref- nah, no. But the last NBA take that I have, because I couldn't find any WNBA takes this week. This one says, I love Dame, but I honestly think that if he and Steph had swapped teams, the Blazers would be a finals team. They just have so much more spacing on the roster. Um... No. <laughs> no. Um, no. I, I, have to, I have to disagree. Um. I, I I just don't think that CJ McCollum as the second option can get you to the finals. Steph, as great as he is, he wouldn't be able to carry. You know, they got Melo, they got um 
Who's on the roster? Um, who am I thinking of? Who am I thinking of? They got they got uh oh wait no they traded Gary Trent. I mean Nor- Norman Powell's been solid for them. Um oh yeah Nurkis too. You know I like the team just well not CJ but I just don't think that. Because, I mean, like, I've seen people say that Steph and Dame are the same player. No, they're not. No. Mm-hmm. You know. I I think that the Blazers would be better off if they had Steph rather than Dame. But to say that they're a finals team, I'm not a hundred. I don't, I'm not a hundred. I'm not sure on that. Uh, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> but. That's going to do it for this episode, this part of the of Worst Takes. And moving into wrestling, we are going to give you our top three match types of all time. And, Damon, I'm going to let you start. All right. Yeah. So these ones, um, immediately, shout out to Chris Jericho for conceptualizing Money in the Bank. That is one of the best creations of recent history. Um, then... The Elimination Chamber. Um, I think that was always a fun one. Because I, I, you know, cage matches are cool. But something about the Elimination Chamber is like you going around, you don't know who's going to come out next. And then obviously the most legendary one is um, Royal Rumble. That's always fun. You get the returns. And you ne- you really never know who's going to win most of the time. But those would those, those definitely be in the three. Hey, uh, John, what about you? What are your top three? My top three. Uh, Royal Rumble. That's number one. Any type of ladder match, like Money in the Bank, ladder match, or tables, ladders, and chairs. And uh, the Steel Cage. Steel Cage, that's, that's another good match because you're literally having people fight in the cage they can't get out of the ring in order to cheat you got to be really creative and it gets you hooked onto it and then when some when some bs happens some bullshit happens you get mad because like you're so into the match so still cage all right for me um at number three I'm going to have to say the Royal Rumble just because of all the memories I have. Like, I think, yeah, my first pay-per-view ever that I went to was the Royal Rumble. So I got a little bit of bias there. You know, it was 2009 when uh, Randy Orton won and Matt turned on Jeff and RVD came back and Kane's entrance literally made me piss on myself. But, you know, that's another story for another day. Um, Number two. I'm, I wanted to say Hell in a Cell, but I, I can't. Okay, hot take. It's time to just retire Hell in a Cell for a couple of years because who they'd have ruined that shit. So I have to say the Elimination Chamber has been a great concept since its inception. We've had some great moments. Like for a second, we all thought Santino Morello was actually going to win the World Heavyweight title. Still can't believe we actually thought that was going to happen, but it happened. And my number one... It's kind of, I mean, they've both talked about it, but I got to combine it all in one. Just the ladder match in general, like Money in the Bank, just a regular ladder match, or TLC. Like, we've had some banger Money in the Bank ladder matches, like 
WrestleMania 21, WrestleMania 24, 25. Um, ladder matches, um, Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels in 08. And if we're going to talk about TLC, you know I got to talk about the classics. You know, the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian, man, they used to, they used to damn near kill each other, man. Just, just to bring in the crowds to their feet, just to make people happy. I have to put the ladder match at number one, like any variation of a ladder match. But I want to talk a little bit more about Hell in a Cell. Um, not, not as a um, honorable mention or anything, but this used to be one of my favorite match types of all time. And they just completely ruined it. Like, first things first. They'd made the cage red. And I don't know why they did that, but it just looks childish. Like, you know, I know wrestling is TVPG and supposed to be kid-friendly, but it's violence for fuck's sake. You think I'm going to be taking this seriously if they're fighting inside a red cage? No, it looks like a playpen borderline like if it was you know the regular gray or maybe black like if they turned it to black that would be fire but not red there have been some awful moments um again hell in a cell 2019 um wow that really did happen didn't it um there was a disqualification in hell in a cell um i i i, I don't know man i i don't know but personally, like I, I said it a little bit earlier, I think we should just like not do it for a couple of years. Personally, I think WWE having these theme pay-per-views is stupid because it takes all of the fun out of the matches because it's like, oh, well, they're not having this match because it's like, oh, it's a blood feud. It's just because, oh, well, it's part of the card. So we have to have somebody do something in it. Like Extreme Rules... I mean, it was cool at first because it was like, oh, well, everybody should be in an Extreme Rules match or a hardcore match. But then they have regular matches on the card, which doesn't make sense. Um, do y'all remember Fatal 4-Way? Yes. Oh, oh boy. Uh. There, there were some bragging rights, which was the Survivor Series Part 2, which never made sense. Capital Punishment. Breaking Point. I mean, okay, unpopular opinion. I kind of like Breaking Point. The concept was cool, but like, gotta win by if six. they were awesome, if they were awesome, it, like, that's the thing. They're inconsistent with it. Like, if you got Hell in a Cell, like, you're not going to do all Hell in a Cell matches. That's fine. Like, in the Royal Rumble either. But every match at Extreme Rules should be an Extreme Rules match. I'm, I'm trying to think what other pay per view was it that I was just thinking of? I don't remember. Uh, four-way and Breaking Point. Oh, yeah. At Breaking Point, everything should be a submission match. Ooh, speaking of match types, honorable mention, the championship scramble. Oh, Please yeah. bring that bring that back. Please. Please, for the love of God, bring that back. Or the gauntlet matches. Oh, I mean, they still do them from time to time. Oh yeah, I was just saying that's oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're good. Yeah, they don't yeah. do them very often. Like yeah. just like how Seth Rollins went for like 60 minutes and then uh, or was yeah. that his battle? 
John, you got an honorable mention? Mm. Honorable mention. Uh, I kind of like the false count anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. when you know the wrestlers go in the crowd and they just started beating everyone. <laughs> started being their opponent in the crowd and the crowd just go crazy around them. No, I like false count anywhere. Most definitely, most definitely, man. There, there have been some crazy match types for real. Like, I've actually seen some of these wild ones. Like, okay, I like AEW, and I can't believe I have to rag on this company. But even though you know, I always talk about um Jenny Ortega and the dumb fucks all the time. But the mimosa match or whatever it was supposed to be between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. Um, I don't know what that was supposed to be. You know, it, it just it just seemed weird. Like, oh, well, it's a wrestling match, but to win, you have to throw somebody in a mimosa. And I'm just like, well, um, yeah, okay. Orange juice and alcohol. Okay, cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But one match type from AEW that I love is Stadium Stampede. Like, it's like the perfect mix of cinematic and regular match. And it it just flows together so perfectly. But I said I didn't want to rag on AEW, but now it's time to rag on not AEW, but WWE and TNA. We're going to talk about the worst moments from WWE and TNA, this is gonna be like complete, like no structure to this, like just we just throwing stuff out. Um, let's see. If I have to say one from TNA, it's gotta be the whole Clear Lynch storyline. That was strange, you know. I I said before that AJ Styles can do no wrong. Um I I'll say he did his best with what he was given, but First of all, the storyline went from, oh, well, AJ Styles is fucking Dixie Carter to, which, no, no, listen, AJ, <laughs> listen, I know that this was kayfabe and this was a storyline, but AJ Styles, if you were to ever in your life have sex with Dixie Carter, I don't, I don't think I'd ever look at you the same. I don't, I don't know. But to go from that to, oh, well, here's a storyline where, Oh, well, Kat, Kazarian, and Daniels, we hired this fake lady to tell people, you cheated on your wife with me and had a baby. But then there were, then she showed pictures of her naked with AJ. And I'm like, this kind of looks like sexual assault, if you ask me. Like, it, 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 that's what it looked like to me. It looked like, oh, well, it was just against AJ's will. And they were supposed to try to paint AJ as the bad guy. And I'm like, okay, no, but. What what is a TNA moment that y'all could think of that was just terrible? Ooh, when um Abyss or TNA he got arrested for rape. Wait, wait, what? It was a whole episode. I remember watching it. Uh, Abyss he got arrested uh, for rape. I think he was like in a storyline with like Desmond Wolf, and then Desmond Wolf uh. I think he had his he had this girl right. And Chelsea, Chelsea. I believe it was Chelsea, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And 
they had it on like video, like they were in the bathroom. He was like, you got it. Like he was like, kind of like, I don't want to say, he was kind of like undressing her, trying to make like her clothes rip, trying to make it look like she was raped by Abyss. And then like they show, like they, uh, so they were like, hey, she was raped by Abyss. We got the evidence right here. Like, look, her clothes are ripped. She's bruised right here. And then, like, they showed, like, a whole thing where Abyss was getting arrested. Literally. I blame Hulk Hogan and Vince Russo. <laughs> I, I, I have no words. Um, speaking of that similar word, um, Katie Vick. I've seen some things on WWE television. I saw Mae Young give birth to a hand. But you're telling me Triple H dressed up as Kane to go to a funeral home, have sex with a mannequin that we were supposed to believe is a corpse. So it's so they they wanted us to believe that Kane was a necrophiliac, which is already. I have so many questions that I don't even want answers to. And they put this on TV, like national television. People actually saw this. Like they wanted people to see. Like oh, this man was like oh, this is such good shit. They 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 put this out there, and thought that this was gonna. Oh boy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh Damon, would you did you have any that you could think of offhand? Um TNA wise, I feel like this is kind of a big consensus for everybody, but just the Jeff Hardy sting match that was just hard to watch. Oh boy, and there's a, like it's crazy because a lot of people didn't don't even know about that. Like I was talking to my sister about it, and when I explained the story, she just looking at me, and I'm like, like there's no way that actually happened. I'm like, yeah, Jeff Hardy went out and wrestled under several influences, and yeah, it that happened. Um, Okay, nah, that that was um. I'm glad that Jeff Hardy did get the help that he needed. Um, and shout out to Sting for yeah, like getting that, like making sure he safely just yeah ended that and getting out of there. Yeah, yeah. Cause like I was I was listening to Eric Bischoff's podcast and well not what was a snippet of the podcast and he was talking about it. He was like. When he went out to the ring and just started talking, like he kept going like up in the Sting's ear and just like whispering, like, hey, like do this, do that, like, you know, hit your move and end it. So props to Eric Bischoff as well. Um, I'm I'm very glad that Jeff Hardy beat his addictions. But that was that was hard to watch. Um speaking of things that was hard to watch, um Jerry Lawler as a whole, like just just as a whole, like, 
I don't know how there were people fans of Jerry Lawler on commentary. Like, I'm okay. I'm I'm gonna be completely honest. Um, in SmackDown versus Raw 2006, I did my fair share of fulfill your fantasy matches. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, <laughs> not my best moments. Um, I, I hate to have to admit that. Um, on air, but there were there were some times, you know, um, me and my cousins, we just, you know. Play fulfill your fantasy, you know. Um, just hit <laughs> each diva with pillows, take off, you know, get to the brown panties. Not again, not my proudest moment, but you know, um, been hearing Jerry Logan on commentary talking about what we were doing made things 10 times worse. Hearing him say puppies, puppies, puppies. Um, he, Jerry Logan is the most perverted wrestling figure I've ever seen then like at Wrestlemania when he was talking about um I don't remember he's we he was talking about the Nigerian drum fight which was already stupid I think we did talk about on the podcast and then like Booker T was explaining something and then he said something about drumming and Ringo started he shouldn't have said and just oh boy y'all to to everybody that is listening um I don't want you to get the wrong opinion of me just because I played Fulfill Your Fantasy when I was like between seven and 10 years old. I don't, I don't want y'all to think anything of me. Okay. I was young. I was stupid. Um, I did get a little guilty pleasure out of it, but that's not the point. The point is Jerry Lawler sucks. <laughs> that, that is the entire point. Oh uh, man was enjoying himself. <laughs> oh. Hey man, oh. hey man, Trick, bro, Trick, virtual Trick, bro, video game Trick status man. She looked a little nice, okay. <laughs> Listen, video game Trick <laughs> That was such a funny sentence. I didn't think oh, I would hear that today. God. <laughs> oh, yo, man. yo. Woo. <laughs> Listen, not not my finest moments, man. Uh, oh Ooh. man, <laughs> video game Trish Not not uh, even go on Google and look at a picture of Trish <laughs> Video game. Um, and you and you know what's even funnier about that? The fact that it was two thousand six, and you know them graphics were ass. <laughs> Hey, bro. The PS2 was different. The PS2. I had the the PS2. I know. They didn't age well. But back then, you. This was back then. Okay, that was as as realistic as it got back then. Oh man. Yeah, you in thirty minute time out for that. (laughs) You're real. This is your Kenny Zamore moment, bro. This is. Man, hey, shout out my boy Kenny, bro. Hey, I was gonna say, you know what we talking about? Ten dollars for a Zoom call. <laughs> How do you pay ten dollars? Oh my God! Look, man, shout out Acom, bro. <laughs> That's the homie. Hey, Acom showed up for five seconds. <laughs> And then had Wi-Fi difficulties. <laughs> oh my! God. Oh man! Oh God! Oh Jesus! 
I'm not gonna lay that down. I, oh. I, I just inadvertently created a podcast moment. Like, oh Jesus, you know, first Jalen with the the Chris Benoit thing, and now this. I, I have just had a signature moment. Um, this is embarrassing. Oh boy. Oh, I'm gonna get clown for this shit. Yeah, my defense. I was, <laughs> I was a fucking child. I didn't know no better. Okay, I was a child, but you know what? We we just gonna move on. So I ain't gotta think about this no more. All right, I already feel guilty as is. But let's just move on. Moving. On. I was gonna say I'll say my 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 oh, yeah. worst moment oh, yeah. to change it up real quick. All right. Um, <laughs> change the dynamic a little bit. I think one of the worst characters to ever exist in WWE history is Eugene. Oh them, my god! Them bringing in oh a character of someone resembling or acting as a mentally disabled person. Um. Yeah, that was just bad taste. And I get it. Like, that was, like, early 2000s. But, like, I, th- th- there were there were so that, many things that happened. That shit aged like milk. Yeah. Um, there, there were so many things that happened in the 2000s that people just let slide because it was the 2000s. Um, that was one thing that bothered me from actually I can't even say it really bothered me because when I was younger, I didn't get it. But then like right. once I like once I grew up and I learned about mental health and everything, and I'm just looking back at it and I'm just like, you know, how can you, you know, I'm 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 more mad at the wrestler himself for it because oh, yeah. you know. You can say no to WWE. You may get fired for it, but you can still say no. I think that gimmick was one of the ones where you just had to say no to that because there were so many things wrong with it. Like, again, SmackDown vs. Raw 2006 and season mode, they they did him so wrong. Like, I think, like, it, it was like it was a, a storyline in the game where – you know, Eugene and Regal were the tag champs, but like Regal got knocked out by Edge and Christian. And Trish Stratus went up to Eugene. It was like, oh, well, you don't want to fight Edge and Christian because we're your friends. And then he just got distracted by Trish Stratus. And I had to defend the titles by myself. And then even though I won, they said because Eugene wasn't out there, we automatically forfeited. And I'm just like, what are we doing? You know, that that character was just bad. Like, you know, you you can call people, I don't, I don't want because I don't want to say the wrong things here, but like, you know, we've seen where the storyline where Shane McMahon literally called Braun Strowman stupid. Like, matter of fact, that was a fucking WrestleMania feud. But for a character like Eugene to exist in the sense of where, oh, well, I have special needs and I come out and 
I stick my thumb in my mouth like a child and I wave to everybody and like it 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 leaves a sour taste in your mouth the first time you see it. It's like as especially in 2021, it just leaves a real bad taste in your mouth. Now we're gonna move on to the WNBA section of this episode. And first things first. It was announced a couple of days ago that Ty Young, Tamara Young, has officially retired from the WNBA. She spent about 13 years in the league where she played for the Atlanta Dream, Chicago Sky, and the Las Vegas Aces. And let's see, because I didn't I didn't really know too much about Ty Young, but um, seeing she averaged about 40% from the field, Averaged about six points a game, shot 27% from three. Not really the best stats, but I think that for her to be have played 13 years, I think that is a, a testament to saying that she was a good player, beside, despite what the stats say. And um, I pray that she has a very happy retirement. If she wants to do something within the league, I'm, I would love to see that. Um, we need more... It's weird saying we need more female representation in the WNBA, but it's true. But what do y'all what do y'all think about Ty Young's retirement? Mm. I mean, congratulations to her for her retirement. Um, she definitely deserved that after playing twelve years in the WNBA. Um, many people's careers in the WNBA don't even last that long, so twelve years—that's very impressive. Congratulations to her. So, I mean, she deserves it. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, um, most careers don't last that long. Like in like Jarrell, I didn't really know much about her up until um, as a newer as a newer watcher. Um, but I've noticed over the course of this year um, that the trend of uh, more vets getting cut um, Mm -hmm. has been very prevalent considering how many spaces there are on a team and kind of getting pushed into retirement or having to go somewhere else. um, Considering like, even like how the fever cut Lauren Cox last week or the week before that for God knows what reason, but um, yeah, and then Lacey Clarendon got lucky, right? So it 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 it, it begins. It needs to be a conversation of uh, yeah. roster size and yeah. stuff like that, because there's not like a developmental. Mm. It's it's a lot of things that the WNBA like needs to do. And I think that they'll happen in time, especially like because a lot more people are watching the WNBA now. Like for example, like again, like they need some sort of developmental league. Um, they need more high-profile games so that they that way they can get more money to have more players on the rosters. Um, if they wanted to do an expansion draft, maybe I, I would be completely open to it. Like I said on one of the first episodes, I would love for them to bring the Detroit Shock back. Um, there, there are some things that can be done and some things that will be done in the future. Just 
they won't be done in this moment, but I know there are some things in progress. And speaking of things in progress, our next topic, I know this is really gonna make John happy. Um, let's, let's talk about Tina Charles right quick. Now, Tina Charles plays for the Washington Mystics and she's having an incredible season. She's currently averaging 25.8 points and she is on the verge of chasing history. Now, the current WNBA record for most points averaged over a season is 25.3, and it's a 15-year record held by the one and only, of course, Diana Taurasi. She is, Tina Charles is on pace to break that record. And I want, John, I'm going to ask you first, since, you know, you're, you're all up close and personal with the Mystics. What do you think about Tina Charles' season, and do you think she's going to actually break the record? Tina Charles' season right now, that is something I did not predict. I did not think was going to happen. I thought she was going to be a dominant force on the team, but I did not know it was going to be that big. And I believe she will break the record of uh, Diana Taurasi's record. And um, I hope so she does, because what she's doing right now, especially in this era of the WNBA, especially when some people thought like, oh, Tina Charles, she's too old to be this dominant. Oh, she's never going to be this dominant ever again like she was with the Connecticut Sun and New York Liberty. But the fact that she's just proven them wrong at this age, um, this late into her career, it's just amazing and very impressive. So shout out to Tina Charles for that. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, and um, also, with Elena Deladon not playing, I should have expected that. I should have expected Tina Charles to just dominate like that. So with Tina Charles dominating and then Elena Deladon might coming back after the Olympics, Mystics is a team you gotta watch out for. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um I can't necessarily say I saw Tina Charles doing this, but I mean She's still been a great player over all these years. Um, I, I personally can't say I didn't see her doing this, especially, I mean, she's on the verge of making history and breaking a 15-year-long WNBA record, like 15 years. And it's not, and she's playing great. Like she's shooting 46% from the field, 36 from three, 83% from the free throw line, also averaging nine rebounds and a steal in a block a game, like she's playing, yeah, it's the best basketball of her career. And I think she'll break the record. I mean, if she's been going at it this far, like we're at the midseason now, and if she's still playing this well, I don't see her dropping off at all. But Damon, do you think she's going to break the record? And what do you think of her season so far? Yeah, kind of like, like what Joe said, like, I didn't expect to see Tina Charles at her age being going to be so dominant. Um, but like John said, with Elena Deladon um, being out, somebody had to step up and she really elevated her game this year. And I think she's definitely going to break the record. Definitely. And on that note, our final WNBA topic 
the WNBA All-Star Game is this upcoming Sunday. Well, next Sunday at the time of recording, which means that we are near, we are at the mid-season. And so many things have happened. So many things have changed. And I don't I want to talk about what we've seen so far throughout this season. Um, first things first, I told y'all about Seattle, you know. I told y'all, like, hey, don't never sleep on Brianna Stewart. They're first they're the first seed in the league with a record of 15 and 5. I want to talk about, but besides Seattle, I want to talk about Bet Najalani. And I did not see this coming. I, I thought that I thought it I thought it was Sabrina's team. I, I really did. And for her to just be, I mean, she's the third leading scorer in totals in the league. And she and she's a rookie, right? No. Oh no, 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 no. Oh my bad. I'm thinking of somebody else, but but Najelani has been playing amazing basketball. Um, the Connecticut Sun, I, I'll admit they, they were completely off my radar at the beginning of the season. Damon got on me about that. John Quill Jones, man. Oh, Jesus. There, there have been some, some spotlights, some highlights. Oh my gosh. Um, Phoenix, I mean, they're, they're, they're sitting at 500 right now, but. I mean, let me. Matter of fact, let me go back to because I I looked at it this morning because I didn't catch the game last night, but Sky Diggs and Brittany Griner absolutely went off against uh, who were they playing? It was Seattle. Oh yeah, it was, it was yeah, Seattle. Yeah, they played Seattle. Yeah, Brittany. Brittany Griner had twenty nine and fifteen. Sky Diggs had twenty six. Six was six steals three. I mean, six assists, three steals, and two blocks combined for 55 points, man. Um, I love Phoenix, both WNBA and NBA. Um, I know that the Mercury is sitting at 500, but they're honestly my favorite team. Um, the Atlanta Dream. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. Um, I would just say that... Uh, I don't. I don't want know how to pronounce the name. Is it Kennedy or is it Kennedy? I, Kennedy. It's Kennedy. Okay, that's a weird spelling. But Kennedy Carter and Ari McDonald deserve so much better. And I'm. Oh my God. I don't know what. I knew that this team was in a state of chaos, but they're the second worst team in the league. Oh boy. I I don't know what's going on in Atlanta, but. They just need to redo everything. I, I feel so bad for Ken- – first of all, Kennedy Carter to me is like – I don't want to make an NBA comparison, but I say she's like the Jimmy Butler personality of the WNBA. Like she just wants to win. So if she has to like tell her teammates to play better, do better, she going to do it because she wants to win. And she deserves better than that. Ari McDonald already told y'all I was supposed to be my favorite rookie and – She's not really getting the the minutes that she deserves. And Kennedy Carter isn't either. Like, I, I can't even think of the coach's name, but taking her out in moments where they need her to win these games, 
I don't know if they're tanking or not. I, I don't know. But this is just so much chaos. But I don't even want to talk about Indiana. I, I really don't. <clears throat> um, for those of you, like, listen, Kaiser, don't, don't get me started, okay? I mean, she's been getting a lot of buzz around the league. I mean, she's an attractive young lady. Don't get me wrong, but the stats aren't there. Like, I know stats don't really, really, like, 100% matter. Like, Kaiser's doing good things for herself. Like, I think, like, she was at some tournament and, like, an Adidas tournament and her, she was on the poster or something, and I'm happy for her. But this Indiana team is is not great. But, John, what do you think about – the, as we are at the mid-season point of the WNBA season this year? I mean, we got the midpoint. Uh, I think after the Olympics, Chicago, they're going to definitely improve the record nine right now because they just got Candace back. So they're still adjusting to having Candace in the team because Candace was out for basically half of, of the first part of the season. So I think when the Olympics are over, Chicago's going to come out ready to play, ready to win. Because I know they're hungry for a title. Uh, New York, if Sabrina gets it together, I think they'll get a playoff spot. And it's really going to be down to Phoenix, Dallas, and the Mystics for a position to playoff. I, I don't think L.A. is going to make it. I don't think they're going to make it. Atlanta... Um, I hope Courtney Williams and Kennedy Carter get it together because y'all are the one and the two guards of the team. Get it together. We need y'all to get it together. So what if y'all don't make the playoffs this year? Get some wins. Get together. Play together. Whatever beef y'all got when it comes to like attitude, get rid of it. Squash it. Because no way y'all have all that talent and be have not just a lot of talent together, but have like a lot of potential to be a good backcourt. Like Bradley Bill and John Wall backcourt. And y'all can't even get along. Like that just makes no sense to me. Um, Indiana, we used to say forget them. But Seattle, Vegas, and Connecticut and Chicago, those are going to be my semifinalists. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even um give my predictions like I, <clears throat> I forgot. But yeah, that's that's my well. I say Seattle, Vegas, Connecticut, and I. For me, it's between Chicago and maybe Phoenix because I really do like that big three, and I know Diana. She just came back. And you know, after uh, the Olympics, I'm I'm scared, man. Because if all three of them are healthy, they're gonna be scary. So it's between Chicago and Phoenix for me. Candace Parker, she has been playing great basketball, and then post Olympics, Chicago is really gonna make a good run. So those those are my picks for the the semifinals. Um, a champion. I'm not betting against the Seattle Storm. I'm still not gonna do it. You never will catch me betting against Seattle. So my pick for the 2021 WNBA champions, the Seattle Storm. But 
Damon, what what do you think about the midseason so far, and what are your have your predictions changed at all? Um. So so far, my predictions were somewhat correct. Um, I thought the I think my only incorrect position was that the Aces would be over the storm by this point. But um, I mean, they're only a game behind. Uh, but they've been a little bit off and on throughout the season. Um, but I instantly clicked with the Connecticut Sun. I really enjoy watching them play. Uh, I got nervous for a moment just seeing how Dewana Bonner was handling the team, not on her own, but without John Quill Jones. She's a bit more inefficient, but now that we see John Quill Jones is back, they're back to being in flow. Um, I think they're definitely going to be a team to watch once we get into uh, the playoff talk. And like John said, um, getting Candace Parker was the best thing for Chicago. Um, I know they're eight, they've won eight out of their last 10 games. Um, so they're definitely back on the rise. They haven't lost many games with her being back. So I, they're definitely going to make the move. And honestly, another team that's on the rise is Minnesota. Minnesota has also won eight out of their last 10 games. Um, that's hello can y'all hear me yeah okay. um but yeah they've won eight out of their last 10 games so i think it's going to be interesting coming down the stretch um seeing how um if the if the mystics are going to pull through um liberty and them they're going to be pretty close uh the Sparks, I think that's a lost cause for this season. Yeah, most definitely. Um, they got some work to do. Phoenix, they're another team that's been kind of off and on. Um, we'll see if they can catch some wind after the Olympic break, figure some stuff out. Um, the Dream. Uh, I really I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh I think I and rookie wise, I think Ari McDonald just needs to slow down a little bit um, with the minutes that she is getting. Um, I think she's trying to do everything, and it's like, okay, we need to kind of reel in what all we're doing. Um, but I, I think you know, it's it, we're we're at the halfway point of her first yeah. season, so um, she's not going to grasp everything. Um, and then regarding the Indiana fever. I'm only going to talk about the Indiana fever because um, I've, I've now gotten my favorite player so far. Um, and that's Kelsey Mitchell. Um, but the Indiana fever, I mean, they'd only had one win for a while, but they've won two out of their last 10 games. They've won, they're on a two game win streak. So, I mean, I, I mean, they're, not making great decisions like administratively. I mean, like they cut Lauren Cox um, and then now they don't have a pig. Their big just got hurt as recently. So now they don't have um, some, they don't have a lot of people in the front court. Uh, so that should be interesting. But I think the champion, hmm, I think I would have to say either the storm or 
I'm gonna say a storm or a storm of the sun. Yeah, I mean, I could see Connecticut winning it. Um, I just can't bet. I I can't bet. I just can't when it comes to Seattle, man. I I can't bet against them. Like, the Mercury are my favorite team, but like if. I'm I'm trying to think of how I could even describe Seattle. Like Seattle is one of those teams that was like they're built to win, like straight up built to win. And they they have some incredible pieces on the roster. Like they they're just going saying like Sue Bird, she just became the first WNBA player to record. 3,000 total career assists. Jewel Light has been hooping. Jordan Canada, she has been great on defense. Brianna Stewart, once again, you know. I I just don't think that, you know, I mean, the Aces, I mean, they have Asia Wilson going crazy. Liz Cambay is going crazy. Connecticut. Jonquil Jones is – I don't – I could see it, but – I got to go, like, maybe I'm, like, 97% Seattle. Let me think. I'm trying to think of something else. Like, okay, so the Commissioner's Cup is coming up. And I think, isn't it Connecticut versus Seattle? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so who are y'all taking in the game? Seattle. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say I'm gonna see Seattle as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um the all-star game, my prediction still has not changed. I'm still going for Team USA. I know John disagrees with that, but um Damon, since you weren't on last week to talk about it, what what do you think who do you, who do you have winning this all-star game? Team All-Star by eight. Mm. Okay, what what why are you picking uh team W? Let me pull up the roster again really quick. Okay. Now, granted, the Team USA is, you know, has a very great roster, but how you cannot tell me that these are some of the not some of the most dominant players in the league right now. Most definitely, like that. I I I agree with that. I'm just saying, like, I think it's gonna be a really really close game, really fun and competitive game. But I got Team USA taking it. I mean, their roster, both rosters are stacked. But when you think of the absolute caliber of career wise, 
and what they're still able to do in these years, Team USA just has to, like, I, I think it may be like a two or three point win, but I, I'm going with Team USA. Well, what, what's, <laughs> what, what specifically about Team WNBA has you saying that it'll be them by eight? Like, what about them specifically? Bro, so first of all, they have, I think, three or four out of the five top leading scorers or the least points per game. Yeah. Um, they're solid on defense. They're, they got – great size in the front court and even at like their forwards um they got vets they got some young people i don't know it's just i i can't it's hard for me not to i i just i wish i could have went to the game man like oh this is gonna be fun this is this is really gonna be fun man like this might be the game that draws in more fans like i know like a lot of people have been saying like have, a lot of people have been texting me saying hey like i'm starting to get into the wnba what team should i look for which players should i look out for this all-star game should tell you everything you need to know man like i don't remember um i don't remember what year it was but one WNBA All-Star game where on the first possession they went for a layup on the wrong basket. Oh my god. Oh. And I don't a, a lot of people just, I don't remember who it was and what year it was. But for those of y'all that have been thinking like oh well this is just what the WNBA it's definitely not man like that was a rough moment but you you ain't gonna see nothing like that. Um, this oh boy. <laughs> I was gonna say that one thing equating to JaVale McGee being himself for like <laughs> four or five years, but we still let that shit slide. Exactly. But exactly. um <laughs> dog, and it's so crazy because some people are so like oblivious, and you can tell that people don't really know about basketball like that because I remember one time I think this was um right before the season started and I was on Facebook you know that's a different type of specimen anyway um but it was a kid I went to high school with and I was and it was like one you know that post where it's like talk comparing like Sue Bird and LeBron with yeah. all their stuff and it was like oh yeah. like pain um so he was like he was like I don't know. I just wouldn't want to watch a league where women just stand behind the three-point line and shoot 44% for three from three from free from three point. Is that I'm like I'm NBA? like you know that's Is that Steph not the Curry NBA? Shoots, Is like, that not the NBA? Yeah. I'm like Steph Curry averages 43%. It's it's literally you this why you this why you can't talk sports with everybody, bro. Oh my god, bro. Cause this that just reminded me, cause me, and my sister, and my two cousins, like we got a group chat. And she was just at uh orientation for uh school because she's going into her freshman year. 
And this was during the Bucks versus uh, Suns game. I, yeah, this was game two. I, I can't believe I'm saying this shit. This dude she was she was talking to who said he was a Bucks fan, and he said, Brooke Lopez is ass. Chris Paul has been irrelevant for years. PJ Tucker is more relevant than DeAndre Ayton. What? And here's the worst one. Here's the worst. Here's the absolute worst thing. This man said, Drew Holiday is the only good player on the Bucks. You know, she needs to just stop talking to him. <laughs> that was like a, I, she, she wasn't like talking to him. That was just like a, a conversation while they were there. I'm like, like, bro. Like, bro. People but like if we being honest, people didn't really start to, I mean they did, but like people it PJ Tucker's name didn't really start getting like you know in this real big conversation until he got traded to Houston and he they're like, Oh, he's playing at center. So everybody was like, Wow, like that's crazy. And then but Chris Paul being irrelevant for years, oh that just that threw yeah, me. Yeah. That threw me. Now, when he said Drew Holiday was the only good player on the team, I'm just like, um, they kind of have a two-time MVP on the team. You know? One of the best defensive players, like, maybe. You know, the only player on that team that I actually like, you know. But, okay, we we really going to hit on the compo like this? Really? Okay, yes, does he take 14 seconds to shoot a free throw when he should get at least six free throw violations a game? Yes, that's true. But how 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 is Drew what what does Drew Holiday do better than Giannis besides shoot threes? Please let me know. Please let me know. Tell him to just go watch Shanghai Sharks or something. Oh my god! Clearly, he need a fresh start. Oh Jesus! I I <sighs> he needs to watch overseas basketball first before talking. No, he yes, never again. A game a basketball, bro. Like, I that wouldn't even watch help. one game. I don't man, even listen. think that would help. That may Look, make it worse. Bro, like, I'll I'll talk to my sister about it, man. Maybe maybe we can get on the on the episode, man. We can just talk to the talk to him, you know, let yes. him know like what he needs to watch because that was um. I can't believe I actually said that. <laughs> that that was um. How is it that the worst takes didn't even come up in worst takes? Like, those might be the worst takes we've had since we started the damn segment. Oh, my God. Man. That is that is, that is is bad. Um, Jesus. Why does my Jesus. <laughs> but if that is all, that is going to bring us to the conclusion of this episode of Hooplex. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for the support once again. We appreciate it, man. Um, I'm not about to get, like, too sappy, sappy for real, but, man, like, I really did not believe we were going to get that many listeners on this podcast. So, you know, John, Damon, I know Jalen's not on here on this episode, but thank y'all for doing this with me, man. Like, it's, Um, like, bro, because it's crazy because it was, like, this whole podcast was low-key an accident, bro. Like, I was literally just talking shit on Twitter. And then, like, three months later, and we – damn near halfway to 100 like 1000 plays man that that is wild to me 
But so yeah, man. Like, thank y'all, bro. We and for sending in takes and stuff. Oh my god, definitely. Y'all goes for that. Yeah. But y'all a little slow. I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna be straight yeah. up. Y'all. Y'all. <laughs> like y'all. Y'all have y'all brought us the purpose of us doing worst takes. But some of y'all are dumb as shit. Like. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even holding back, bro. Like, this is the uncensored podcast. You motherfuckers are stupid. Like, I, I don't get it, man. But thank you guys for listening. But it's all love. Yeah, most definitely. It's all love, man. We just talking shit. But it's, again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting. Keep tapping in. Keep sending in your takes. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Like, don't just give us five stars and don't say shit. Like, Tell us what you want us to on us to do. Like, tell us what you like, what you don't like, all of that. And we will see you guys next week.